Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for February 14th, Valentine's Day, 2022, featuring poet Emily Cerniker leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic formerly held at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. During the pandemic, which is annoyingly ongoing, we've been hosting the Yop virtually via Zoom. For more information about the Yop, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Stella Lee, Arthur Russell, Bridget Duffy, Cassidy Gabriel, Maya Huggins, Madeline Phillips, Yana Kane, Brian Ataka Omandi, Harvey Sauce, Rebecca Hertz, Emily DeSalvo, Shanice Hughes-Greenberg, Seth Leeper, Vale Larkin, Sarah Janoff, Jess Gagne, Will Kiever, Elisa Mejia, Danielle Gasparro, and last but not least, Kim Brandon. So, let's get right to the action of the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for February. Enjoy. Okay, folks, uh, welcome back to the open mic portion of our event tonight. Uh, we're excited to be back. Um, <laughs> I'm just laughing at myself because I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> here clicking at my screen, trying to convert all of you to, to panelists who are reading and uh, was enjoying seeing the message, uh, how many people were declining to be converted to panelists, <laughs> which I think just means you were like somewhere else and didn't see it. I guess you have to accept. Uh, otherwise, it just declines for you. And I was like, why are they declining? It's, it's so rude. <laughs> they're, they're reading tonight. Um, anyway, I was in my own, own head. That was fun. Um, but uh, a couple of announcements before we begin the open mic about upcoming uh, Brooklyn Poets programs that may be of interest to you. Um, next Thursday, February 24th, is uh, the first Brooklyn Poets Reading Series event of the year. Uh, that will be on Zoom uh, beginning at 7 p.m. Uh, and we are partnering with BPL uh, on that as well. And that will feature poets Jennifer Wong, Daryl Alejandro Holness, and Ed Bok Lee, uh, Korean poet for all of you uh, Korean poetry fans like myself. Uh, but, you know, the other poets are great, too. Uh, you know, no bias. Uh, but uh, come out for those. Well, you don't have to come out. You can just stay in your own home. Wear, wear your pajamas, that'll work too. Uh, but uh, Thursday, February 24th, uh, 7 p.m., Jennifer Wong, Daryl Alejandro Holness, and Ed Bach Lee. That event is free. You just need to register on Zoom. Uh, go to brokenpoets.org, go to events, uh, click on the register link or follow us on social media. You can probably find the promo for that and find the link. Uh, the following Thursday, March 3rd, um, is our next Staff Picks event. In fact, the first Staff Picks event of the year. Uh, Joe Blair has been able to join us now, and uh, I'll let Joe talk about that real quick since she's been involved. Yeah. Hi. Hi, everyone. Uh, happy Monday. Hey, Seth, I did make it. Happy to see your face. Um, yeah, so the Staff Picks event, like Jason said, is going to be on March 3rd. It's one of my favorite events of all time ever. Um, we highlight emerging poets, um, so essentially like poets who don't have a book yet, who don't have a full length collection or really most of them even a chapbook yet, um, who are doing incredible work, but who haven't quite gotten the recognition that we think they deserve yet. So 
um, we host this event to honor as it, as the title says, like our picks, the staff picks. Um, it's really incredible. It's really high energy. The work is phenomenal. Um, so I really encourage you to join us. It is also a free event. Um, yeah, it's, I don't even know what, I'm always left speechless by it. Um, I really recommend that you come, especially if you haven't come before. It's really a, an incredible event. And I always leave feeling like a lot happier than when I even started there. The energy is really good. That's all. Okay. <laughs> Thanks very much, Joe. Uh, and after that, on March 6th uh, is a Sunday, is our next craft lab with Jada Spande on prosody and its decolonization. Uh, a wonderful subject, a total nerd fest for poets. Um, but uh, if you're interested in that subject and don't know a lot about prosody, uh, I can't think of a better, better person to learn that from than Jay Bande. He taught this craft lab last year, uh, one of our most popular labs for, uh, from last year. So that's why we are bringing it back. Um, you can register for that again at brookenpost.org. That one is a paid program, so uh, you will have to pay. But there is uh, an early registration discount through February 27th, and you can apply for financial aid uh through march 4th so uh there are options if you cannot pay the full price of the craft lab and then the last announcement which i'll repeat at the end our next yop is on march 14th the same day of the same date uh, in terms of the month in march that will be led by deborah kwan who is leading uh one of our five-week workshops later in the season uh so i'll make an announcement about that again at the end couple of announcements about the open mic itself. Uh, as you probably know, if you've joined us before, every month we vote for Poem of the Month. Uh, and the way to do that is by uh, texting me at the end of the night, not during the event, please wait until all the readers have read uh, 718-374-1953. And you can just tell me the poet's name. During the open mic, we'll be screen sharing the text of the poem so you'll be able to see the poet's names titles and we'll review everything at the end. We also record the open mic, as you can see, uh, and publish this as a podcast that we call the Yopcast. It usually comes out a couple of weeks after the open mic has concluded. Uh, and you can subscribe to that on iTunes or uh, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts and uh, rate us five stars. That'd be cool. I think we are still at like 35 five-star ratings. I think we've been stuck there since the beginning of the pandemic. So if anyone wants to jump in there and add a five-star rating, that would be great. Uh, but uh, if you don't want to be on the recording and you're reading tonight, you don't have to be. You can just uh, email me or send me a chat message and I can uh, edit your portion off uh, for whatever reason you want to keep the poem private. Um, okay. Uh, that is all I believe. Uh, and I'm going to turn it over to Emily to, uh, Start us off as our feature reader, and then we'll get to the open mic proper. Thanks, Jason. And uh, with the poems I sent, do those go up on this? Oh, yeah, it's happening. It's happening right now. Cool. Okay, sorry. I'm a new new yawper. Um, yeah, so I'm going to share two poems um, uh, that I've been lucky to work with um, the Sun Magazine on. Um, and this one is called The Wedding Gift. Uh, for those of you who have um, been asked to be in a, a wedding with someone um, who maybe has different political beliefs than you, this may be relevant. Um, okay, cool, so here we go. The Wedding Gift for Ashley. 
From the moment Ashley asked me to be a bridesmaid, I understood what my wedding gift needed to be. It wasn't the set of tumblers I shipped her from 14th Street, daffodils and dandelions climbing the sides. It wasn't helping her angel of a mother practice her speech, making pencil marks for pauses in every deep breath. No, my gift for Ashley started when she told me Kate from college would be a bridesmaid too. Kate, the only person on my Facebook feed who was a real live red hat wearing, rally going, Fox News loving, 100% would vote for him again, Trump supporter. This was around the time of shithole countries after grab him by the pussy, very fine people, and Mexicans are rapists. I had just taken a job writing appeals for a refugee aid group, my head filled with names and ages of who the Muslim ban was separating. Remember you like Kate, I told myself over and over months before the wedding, which to be fair was true. I'd always liked Kate. Still, this could get dicey. I could see her saying something crass about a specific sect of humanity and me going off on hate crimes rising and trans, right in the military, trans rights in the military and what the actual fuck is wrong with you. In my head, this could awesomely epically escalate with me knocking over tables, wine glasses flying everywhere. In the name of facts, in the name of crown thy good with brotherhood. Ashley would of course be watching us in her mother's wedding gown, those 80s sleeves fluffed to life, only to be splattered with red wine. There'd be no glasses of gold bubbles lifted to the happy couple, no forks clanging for them to kiss, just the sound of me going ballistic with an egalitarian vengeance no DJ could drown out. This is why I was on extra good behavior when I saw Kate in the bridal cabin the day of the wedding. I was so nice, in fact, that she asked if I would hold her baby while she got ready. This is how I ended up cradling a Trump supporter's infant, rocking and whispering to him softly in the living room, taking this opportunity to have ourselves a little chat about the power of diversity and being a nation of immigrants. We bounced as we went over some key information he might not have been aware of, how women's rights are human rights and empathy makes us great. We had a little more time. Boop, boop, boop. We had a little, we had a few more minutes. So we reviewed the dangers of misinformation, how just because someone is the loudest, it doesn't make them right. I like to think I held that marvelous mini human for 45 minutes, but can't be sure. However long it was enough to get me through curling irons and hairspray, to pose for the photographer at both, both at a beach and in a forest, to ride to the church, to spot my seat beside Kate, her baby, her husband, and his conservative parents at the reception, to hear them talk about guns at the bar, to make it the day I successfully stood with my friend, her white dress glowing, my spine up straight. So that's that one. So a little, a little chatty, um, and here's a shorter one. Well, it's still chatty, but a little shorter one. Um, this is a new one uh, called More of This, Please. More of this, please. In grad school, I had a writing teacher who'd completely cream my essays. Crossouts and track changes, he took me at my word when I said I wanted to get better. But when he liked something, he'd point to what was working. More of this, please. Did I mention he was British? This is important because lately, whenever something is really working, I tend to think to myself in a British accent, more of this, please. A lunch date turned dinner date with a dreamboat who was slightly embarrassed, his eyes watering cold weather, him looking like he's tearing up at Shake Shack. More of this, please. 
a toddler turning to me at the park, holding her hair tie, asking me to fix her ponytail, her grandmother nodding to go right ahead, my hands collecting wisps of yellow. More of this, please. Anytime my family is honest about mental health, what my grandparents were up against, this. Cough drop wrappers that say bet on yourself, pop-up concerts in the city, Stevie Wonder playing songs in the key of life at 9 a.m. on a Thursday, hundreds of people stopping mid-commute in button-ups and blazers, belting out every word to Sir Duke and superstition, saying, my boss is just going to have to understand. The subway tiles under Carnegie Hall with names of performers who played there, Lena Horne, September 29th, 1947. The Beatles, February 12th, 1964. Dance classes with live drummers. An editor saying, I'll pass this on instead of I'll pass on this. A stranger falling asleep on my shoulder for several stops. Staring at dates and authors' bios. Ruth Stone, 1915 to 2011. Larry Levis, 1946 to 1996. Recommitting to living as much as I can. Realizing the dash between the day you're born and the day you die is smaller than your smallest fingernail. It's smaller than a strand of saffron in a bottle the size of a thimble in the spice shop across the street. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Emily. Amazing poems. Uh, <laughs> what joy. Um, I snuck a look at these poems before the event when I was putting this uh, uh, putting the finishing touches on this document that Jay Eason put together so beautifully. I had to add some last minute poems and uh, it's just uh, this poem really just stopped me in my tracks. Um, more of this, please, for sure. More of poems like this all the time. Uh, okay, thanks very much. Uh, great way to start the hour, or I guess we're now <laughs> at the halfway point through the hour. Um, our first reader off the open mic list, some of you heard her beautiful poem during the workshop, as always, she always brings it, uh, Stella Lee. Thank you. Sorry if there's a bit of noise, my heater's on, it's loud. Heart. Bone is a living thing. Each fiber squeezes tightly together, knitted hollow matrices wrapped in the marrow. Each rib wet, encased, smooth, protected from the sun's bleach. And yet, there is a rattling. Something soft with fangs, calcium solidified around the gum. Its tail brushes against my rib cage. There's a ferret curling in my heart. Smooth and slinky, its body vibrant. Each tiny breath cuts into my own. The pause is tight. My nostrils fill with musk. I want to hold the squirming, press my hands around a body smaller than my own. I am not ready to lose the wetness of its nose, the pearl, the black pearl eyes, the twitching whiskers. If we look at each other, the ferret would find a part of me I thought hidden. A part slips silently in the darkest corner a place where its wiry body will rest. I know the ferret feels trapped in the way my heart's left ventricle falters, a heart murmur filled with the soft sound of wilderness trapped in my chest. I feel the scratching, the searching, the burrowing, the ferret claws, its feet shimmer with blood, coats its steps with an iron tinge, shines in my slippery darkness. 
Its coat smooths over as it slips into my back. My spine rattles as the ferret shakes. I cough to wake the ferret as it collides within its cage. I feel each coarse bristle between my vertebrae at night. The scuffling becomes stronger. The ferret is hungry, rummaging for another organ to taste. Bile keeps my stomach safe. My liver keeps growing, offering itself morsel after morsel. A hungry feeding, a muzzle sweet burgundy, just enough space for the ferret to circle, curl and bend, pink pads pressed into fibrous lungs. A small chin rests on my diaphragm. I think if we listen close enough, just close enough, the ferret realizes when I do that its heart is really my own. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Wow. I don't, I don't really know what that was, but it was amazing. It was, uh, I think, it both lovely and completely terrifying, which is a really strange combination. Um, wow, especially this last page, uh, rummaging for another organ to taste. My liver keeps growing, offering itself morsel after morsel. I've been watching that uh, Korean zombie show. Maybe you've been watching it, Stella. <laughs> My husband loves zombies, not me, not me. Yeah, yeah. I figured he'd be watching it. <laughs> um, man, that's a grisly show. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is about us Koreans. I don't particularly like grisly stuff, but man, the South Koreans love that shit. Um, anyway... <laughs> That's what, I was, that's what I was imagining when we got to this part of your poem. Okay, great stuff. Thanks, Stella. Our next poet tonight is the one and only Arthur Russell. How are you doing, Arthur? Good. Thanks, Jason. Um, and thanks, Emily, for a great workshop. Love poem. She's taped a broken wishbone to the window above her sink. She touches my cheek like the bristle inspector at a hairbrush factory. She has stopped mid-rant to assuage my fear of female anger, then resumed. For as long as people stand in front of a Rothko, we embrace. She calls my heart her Jewish piano. She does to me what a church steeple does to a clear blue winter sky. We always order the special. We throw Cheetos to the crowd. We shed our clothes to imitate the full moon. Our chests merge through the spaces between our ribs. We stay up so long we fall asleep. In the orange band of dawn, I hear those other people going to work. All right, thank you, Arthur. What a beautiful poem. Uh, I love so much of this. I love this opening simile. She touches my cheek like the bristle inspector at a hairbrush factory. It's uh, remarkable stuff there. Uh, all right. I am uh, enjoying myself tonight with all of these amazing poems. Our next reader tonight is uh, Bridget Duffy, another uh, poet we heard from at the end of that workshop. 
Uh, how are you, Bridget? Or where did you go? I'm here. Hello. Oh, there you are. All right. I'm alive. Yeah. Thank you. Let's go. <laughs> All right, go for it. Poem for my cat in words he does not know. Sometimes the cat meows and I meow back. And my accent's not bad, I think. But of course, I haven't got the faintest idea what I'm saying. What do cats talk about? Mice, I suppose. Rodents. Catnip. How the moon sings yellow songs to them from its place in the sky. Their language hasn't got words for tax returns or Keurig machines or transcendentalism. They speak instead of soft places, of roaches bested, battles won, of especially naughty human hands and human feet. Come to think, I've read that cats hardly meow to each other, at least not after they've grown up and left their mothers. They meow to us and for us, and damn it, I understand it all. Get up, you idiot, I'm hungry, and I am very small and need assurance that you are in the next room, and look at all those fucking pigeons, and hello, it's me, and can I jump in your lap and rumble a while? A woman and a cat and a language all their own. This creature, whose ancestors noticed the small, tasty things nibbling our grain and thought, hey, what's the harm? Grown black and white and curled up in an old Ikea bag, preferred over the plush bed I bought him. I can't help myself and reach out to touch the soft whirl of his middle. He opens his green, green eyes and lets out a long melodic trill for which I am sorry, there is no direct translation. All right, that was perfect. <laughs> Thank you. From one cat lover to another. Uh, I loved every part of that. Um, I might read this to my cats later. Okay, thanks very much, Bridget. Our next quote of the evening. Oh, sorry. Uh, is the one and only Cassidy Gabriel, another rock star yopper. How are you doing, Cassidy? I'm good, Jason. Thanks so much. How are you? I'm doing well. All right, go for it. Awesome. Requiem. One, the father, the son, and the ultimatum. The girl is forever rearranging these three, adding and subtracting them from how she sees herself. In the foreground of a Manhattan summertime, a sadness plays out in well-tended movements. I stand there at the edge of English, mouth twisted into a delicate helix. There is blood in my ears. There's no reception out here. My eyes look at the loss for the both of us, heavy thing. Today, I am nice the way a hand is dominant. I want to be something geographical to you, complete with the vastness and the elevation and the requirement of a map. Everyone in New York is trying so hard to be anything but what they are in the soft inside of their cheek. In this poem, the difference is his mouth, or variation on a theme in which the poem kills me holds me by the chin and presses its knuckled thumb to my lip, forces me to face my sleeping self in the mirror. In this room, they carve an entire duck for our grief. Two, the way a girl is always less than, depending, 
the way a girl finds herself subtracted. Now the dance is his heart. The way I cannot look at the thing squarely and believe in its thereness. And so I make a home above it and through it. If I were a forgiven woman, if I were, a forgiven woman would put the light into deep pockets. In the beginning, the man ate the light and the light was good. And the woman bled for it. The woman is dead, but imagine if it were pretty, if it were nice or could be called nice, if it could be called living just because it tried, if a life could be enough, if it could predict its own radius from birth and gather the rest of the living around the apex, if the apex, like most other things, could reflect the way a body works itself into efficient non-existence, mortar and pestle body ground to light, a halo in and a halo out. It wants just one eye or one knee or one tongue. There is too much unsaid. At this juncture, I can declare that I am most similar to the ocean. If I had to confirm the thereness and the likeness. This is to say lacking vernacular, a thing that has pupils, but promises nothing warmer than that. I cannot stop putting my ear to the underside of the thing, waiting for you to fill it. I would be an old woman and round from missing you, lest we forget. Thanks so much. Wow, I'm, I'm, I'm literally speechless. That was just feel like a masterpiece. That it was, uh, it was beautiful and operating. I think at a level a little bit beyond my intelligence to fully grasp everything, but uh, it was great that i know for sure um thank you cassidy uh, is that why we got the poem light because you were like working on fine-tuning this masterpiece today i always i chronically send my poem light and i have to oh, okay. apologize to jay for that <laughs> I, I just figured you're like i gotta i gotta like i gotta get this last line right <laughs> i can't send it yet i'm just, but, I'm uh, just yeah. late no, we got it we got it <laughs> thank you, um Jason. All right. Yeah. Thank you to Jay for staying up late in South Korea. Got a great email from Jay earlier today. She's like, well, I need to go to sleep, but uh, some poems still coming in. So <laughs> if they come in later, you're going to have to add them yourself. Uh, our next poet tonight is uh, one of my brilliant students from Quinnipiac, who is uh, taking this new internship course that I'm leading this spring. Uh, Maya Huggins. How are you doing, Maya? Hi, good. A little nervous. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no reason to be. You're great. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> a blank poem. I've been told to write a poem, one powerful and strong, one deep with emotions. But I am simply blank. I don't long or feel. I simply drift through life. Everyone has desires but I listlessly exist, but I just breathe. My mind is a void, every thought vacant, every want killed. Maybe I was always like this, my emotions muted, my very world choked. Maybe to be alive is to feel, maybe I'm not even alive. Once I might've been a person. Okay. Love that poem. Uh, thank you so much, Maya. That was uh, Maya's first time reading for the uh, 
Yop, open mic. So uh, show her some love if you can, uh, visually on the screen or textually in the chat. Uh, our next pro tonight is the uh, one and only Madeline Phillips, who uh, not only is a great poet, but always sends me the best selfie every month. So uh, I appreciate that about her and <laughs> encourage the rest of you to uh, step up your selfie game as well and, and tag us on Instagram and send us some pictures so we don't have to use these terrible screenshots of you <laughs> in our gallery. And I usually throw out like 90% of them because they're blurry, uh, but not Madeline because she always sends me a great selfie. All right, Madeline, go for it. Thank you to my ring light. All right. Fortune teller fish. The river needs this grief, needs all these calls, collecting concern after gasping unnoticed for so long. Sun, heat, sewage, hundreds of fish found so far from water. All these calls to the Riverkeeper hotline asking after the mystery of silver, bodies turning red on grass, leaves, but it's winter and fish filter plankton into flesh, but cannot pause photosynthesis. We found them nowhere, near water, between rocks, in a sandbox. There was even one in the tunnel beneath the highway where I told you, you looked like Orpheus, a silver body reflecting pecked out eyes in broken glass. Did you sing it there? One expects empty dime bags, torn magnum gilt, rusted razor blades in such a place, but not silver scales caked in blood, gills redder than your cheeks in the cold, haloed in light motionless, head turned toward the darkness. You looked tired, indifferent, jealous that day. That's what the red fortune-telling fish we won as kids in arcades would say, but fake fish could not foresee the day. Real fish dared to dance through air, but forgot how to breathe in water, gaping mouths, bulging eyes, curling spines. I too have forgotten how to breathe in strange places. My own pale, bloated body passed from palm to palm and watched for a reaction, passionate, fickle, in love. Almost a year later, I am still finding fish in strange places, one on my roof this summer, one in a text from my boss today. There was that night in bed last May when I reached for your warm, willing body and grasped a cold, dead fish. Okay, wow, it's amazing stuff. Thank you, Madeline. Uh, I couldn't help, I, you know, I don't know if you know that Marianne Moore poem about the fish she has a poem about a fish right i don't know that one <laughs> i have to read there. it i just I, it's very different your poem but it kept making me think of that one um i might be misremembering i'm pretty sure she has one uh definitely elizabeth bishop has a poem or two about fish i so love she, her yeah okay uh great stuff great ending 
Our next poet of the evening is Yana Kane. Uh, I love this. Instead of a love poem for Valentine's Day. Uh, great idea. Uh, thank you. Instead of a love poem. I do not set my poems to orbit around you. I carve a long arm out of words to scratch an unreachable itch. I force my breath through a broken branch that is hollow and drilled full of holes. I cling to the metaphor, a slender bridge above a churning abyss. What is the need for me to spell out my na your name when my moist whisper pours it into your ear? Why perfume paper with words? When thinking, you like coriander, I stretch my hand to the spice rack. Love it. Love that ending. Uh, that's beautiful. <laughs> uh, my wife is cooking downstairs. I wonder if she's having a moment like this. You know? <laughs> I don't think I like coriander, but to be honest, I'm not really sure what that tastes like. <laughs> I'm sure I've had it before, but uh, couldn't say for sure. Uh, but what a great ending to your poem. Um, okay, our next reader tonight, uh, another brilliant student of mine from Quinnipiac University, uh, one of the recent winners of the Connecticut Poetry Circuit Contest, which is a contest for Connecticut colleges. Uh, he's going to be touring the Connecticut area, I think virtually, but still a tour, even if it's virtual. Uh, Brian. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah uh, doing well. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. Um, sorry, I didn't get your gift today. Brian was like, you're going to go uh, your office later today? And I was like, sorry, I got to drive back for the yop. I was like, do you need something? He's like, oh, I was going to bring you something. I was like, damn. <laughs> One time, I'm not in my freaking office. <laughs> I'll get that gift over to you. I, I need to get that over to you. But I'll get it over to you. Um, yeah, so uh, this uh, poem is uh, titled Longing. The sweet siren calls of my miseries echo. The night of frozen limbs and chattering teeth. The days lived, hunger filled and empty. The everlasting taste of bitterness. The waters call and in their depths enthralled in all of their unbridled pureness are my desires. Desires to be lost and lost, love and overwhelming longing. Longing to be seen, heard, and blamed for goodness. A pining for revenge, for my teeth to be seen, for a satisfying look of terror on those faces. My ankles abound by the downward pulling tide, but hopefully I can make it through even without the aid of wax to plug my ears, without the ropes to tie up the anger. All right, I love this. I love how sinister it becomes. It seems so, seems so uh, lush and romantic in the beginning and then it's, by the end, it's chilling. Uh, okay. Our next poet of the night is the one and only Harvey Sauce, the uh, artful Dodgers poetry maestro. Are you there, Harvey? 
I am indeed. Can you hear me? Absolutely. All right. Okay. Go for it. First, I'd like to just uh, uh, inform, uh, I guess, the audience here that uh, I've posted in the chat an invitation and also a link to join uh, the Artful Dodgers reading coming up this Saturday at four. Uh, and also, I guess, my email address in the event that the link doesn't work and you need to uh, to access it otherwise. So I hope you can make it. Uh, this one is called Newton's Folly. Sir Isaac Newton's assertion that what goes up must come down doesn't apply to scaffolding. Once it has a building in its embrace, it loves it long time, as Saigonese prostitutes are said to have assured GIs of their affection. If there was a remake of Mike Nichols' iconic movie, The Graduate, today, the business opportunity tip given by a mentoring family friend to the titular young man played by Dustin Hoffman wouldn't be. Plastics, there already being too many oceans choked with that, but scaffolding. Invest in a scaffold of any size and it pays for postgraduate education. In the best iron maiden fashion, it's heavy metal shields from precipitation while keeping bricks and gargoyles who've lost their grip from raining down on us more surely than the brawniest umbrella does. It has the added benefit of serving as a jungle gym for kids, a convenient means for fitness freaks to knock off some pull-ups. So put your money where the scaffolding is as bonded can contractors and their subs do, is the advice I would give. And when, as we must, we colonize Mars, terraformed against the likely event, some bully of a meteor too tough for humankind's current state of musculature will decide to pick a fight with us as its big bro did with the dinosaurs. We'll take scaffolding with us as up we go and up it goes, never to come down again. Thank you. Okay, well, poem about scaffolding. I don't think I've ever seen that before, Harry. It's an uh, in interesting uh, subject matter. Uh, Invest now while the opportunities are available. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, that middle stanza. Reminded me that uh, I should tell you all that the uh, the demolition in the new Brooklyn public space has begun. It's very exciting. Maybe demolition sounds too aggressive, but uh, they have started. In fact, they've already knocked down the walls that need to be knocked down, and they've ripped up the old not great floor, <laughs> and, uh, readied it for the soon to be amazing floor that we're going to put in for all you poets when uh, you're going to be reading for this open mic again in person. So. Uh, it has begun, poets, and uh, hopefully we will have our own space for poetry again in Brooklyn come the summertime uh, when hopefully all of this pandemic stuff is behind us, finally. Our next poet tonight is Rebecca Hertz. Hi, everyone. Brought down to the earth. Brought down to the earth. I return to my birth, come to nothing, foundered and yet 
Before my chastening, I would flicker as a narcissist from nectar to nectar, seeking again and again my God's ambrosia unhinged. Brought down to the earth, I find my roots nested deep in the mycelium maze, strained to disentangle myself alone in the finality of dust. I scream, and yet it seems my God's unfazed. Brought down to the earth, I accept my work, my solitude, abandoning flight at last for the comfort of clay and wildflowers, for the certainty of decay no longer aloft. Brought down to the earth, we writhe through the macrocosm, no direction, no God. Sheen and shadow determine our plans to sustain and to survive our only purpose these days. Brought down to the earth, we seek God in piles of dirt, which from our station remind us of mountains. It seems collapses our calling, so sprawled out over the humus, we become human. Brought down to the earth, we pull our nourishment out of the dust that'll swallow us someday without remorse as we are but bodies merged into one substratum for the coming generations. Brought down to the earth, I cleave to my beloved closer than I ever held the clouds cocooned together, hanging by a thread with our silken chrysalis camouflaged by the forest's haze we do not hatch. Brought down to the earth, I am not myself if not for her, for without her what would I be reaching reaching and then alone forced to succumb to the facts of fallout brought down to the earth the difference between spirit and substance becomes irrelevant mere meanderings of the mind as now we are asked to face our ruin brought down to the earth by the floods the flames the wars I wish I were still captive among the stars and chained to the moon. I yearn for my heart in Venus's roseate cloud. Thank you. Okay, beautiful poem, Rebecca. I love this mantra. It's really uh, hard to get out of your head once you start repeating it, brought down to the earth. It's uh, very persuasive. Uh, there was a line on the first page that really was memorable. What was that? Um, I want to remind myself of what it is. I don't forget it. I just said it was memorable. Now I'm like, I need to remind myself what it is. <laughs> it seems collapses our calling. Is that really resonated with me? <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like that line identifies me perfect. I feel like collapses is, is my calling for sure. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a Cleveland thing. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Rebecca. Our next poet, uh, another Quinnipiac uh, intern of mine, uh, has taken several classes with me. Is, in fact, has graduated from Quinnipiac and is now a uh, graduate student in journalism and is still sticking around to uh, study poetry with me. Shows her dedication to the craft. Emily DeSalvo. So this poem is called Phonetic. I love the way it looks printed on the page. Quirky with a PH and an X and an OE that makes an E sound. And I love how it looks next to Arizona, 
the Z and the X, understood outcasts, but in this sequence, bedfellows. In my mind, just instruments of beautiful syllables to say, to write, to picture as a place on a map. I want to love the place enough to get a winged Greek bird tattooed on my shoulder, to name my daughter Arizona, to have a daughter I could raise with a front lawn of dusty stones, or if I make enough, pointy plastic blades of grass beside a pool, as essential as the kitchen sink and as commonplace as snow shovels in Chicago. I wish to laugh and tell my friends back home I'm better off without the humidity, its sticky moist breath dampening the skin on the back of my neck and between each hair on my scalp. I wanna get washed up in a dusty diner beside a road with a, sil with a single faded yellow line or a mutual understanding, splitting it in two, drinking ice water, a jean jacket tossed over my shoulders, my phone left in the truck, the radio sufficing with stati static, scratchy tidbits being enough for my previously insatiable desire to know. A shoe kicks mine beneath the table. A whole desert waits for me to notice it through spotted window glass. I never found the diner or the water that could quench my thirst. The sandy front lawn could have been all I hoped it to be, but I only found pavement, factory-made pebbles lining roadside gardens of outcast cacti. Confused as I was about what they were doing, Surrounded by those hideous pebbles, the stifling pavement, the shadows, there goes my cat, the shadows cast by buildings built on sand made sturdy. All right. Great stuff. Uh, great timing, Kitty. Uh, Sorry. What a great poem. I haven't seen this, have I? No, I, I had a class with you and then I went to Phoenix and now yeah. I'm back. So proof that you can write a poem without me it's <laughs> it's amazing i mean this is a great poem it's a great idea as emily was the other emily was saying uh, i love the title and how it plays on phoenix and i love outcast cacti it's unbelievable um okay what's your cat's name mittens and when we did the poem oh, right. it's children i wrote about mittens in the the poem about my kids so yeah oh ah. well, you should read it to mittens later it's a good name for a cat <laughs> um okay our next poet is uh from a brook poets fellow brilliant poet you all know her if you've been around shanice hughes greenberg hello thank you thanks for calling me a brilliant poet i, I needed that today um so i guess the only thing you need to know about this poem is that the beginning is um, inspired by a photograph from this exhibition that was at PS1 last year um, that was all about art, um, either created by people that are incarcerated or um, about um, the prison industrial complex system. Earth covered hands. I can see the photo clearly, even now, months and miles away. The men bent back into the earth a modern chain gang. Forced into a field, the bright white standing in for the heat they worked against. Across the room, their labor looked like ancestor. The hands that tilled the earth and created this country. The hands that bled and the black bodies they belonged to. We have given so much of ourselves to this land and we lose track of what 
who has been taken. The men break sweat in the hot sun and the sweat hits the dirt and the cycle continues. Bodies continue to labor. McDonough Street, the block where they painted the hydrants red, black, and green. The afternoon blue and the early spring sun getting stronger. I pause as I notice the flowers, the care behind their cultivation. Some neighbor has put their hands in this earth and created life. Ahead, an older black man kneels, patting soil around a new planting. I nod and wave. He greets me and returns to his flowers. I think about his claimed land, this sidewalk plot. I think about a black man growing things because he can and not because he was forced. I think of the blooms, the bud to come, the bulb buried now, the roots it will extend into the earth, claiming this block. We can grow tender, we can grow love. We don't only plant pain, struggle, harvest suffering. Maybe in the morning, he'll water the earth to keep life living here. Thank you. Unbelievable poem, definitely brilliant poet. And uh, I'm glad you're able to share this poem with us tonight. Uh, I think one of your, one of your most memorable and uh, you have many memorable ones. So uh, that's definitely something. Um, all right, thanks, Shanice. Um, okay, and next we have Seth Leeper, who is uh, one of our newly minted Brooklyn Poets Fellows this season. Very excited about that. And uh, no surprise, he's just been uh, writing some amazing poets, uh, poems lately uh, that you've all been hearing if you've been attending the Ops. So uh, I'll turn it over to you, Seth Leeper. Thank you, Jason. Um, yeah, I'm very, I, I'm very excited about it. I'll just say that because <laughs> uh, otherwise I'll talk too much. Um, uh, but it's funny, not haha, but I guess coincidental that the workshop that Emily did, which was great, thank you for that, um, was also informed by Roske because this piece was written in a workshop I was fortunate enough to participate in um, with the Kenyan Review for um, adjuncts and also public school teachers. So anyways, with that context, here we go. This is Muggin. Muggin. I never knew if the enthusiasm plastered on their faces was real or not, when dad would unwrap his father's day socks or mom coo over drawings of cherubic yellow-blue scrawls, one to be tossed in a top drawer, one magneted to the fridge, another discreetly placed in the trash bin. I never knew joy could actually be derived from little trinkets and tchotchkes when it was my time to be the center of the giving eyes, the little prince perched on the couch unwrapping offerings. I fixed my face into a smile that was all lip, no gratitude. I only knew what it meant to receive, the burden of performing ecstasy over Legos or a secondhand itchy wool sweater. It was only later, much later, I would learn to give of myself conjure the desire to be of use to others. So when the coffee cup appeared on my desk, a backdrop of green overlaid with red apples, emblazoned with the endorsement of number one teacher, I knew just a slice of the pride that bewildered me on the paternal faces from long ago. 
and I smiled with the full force of the sun. Okay, that's really great. Um, nice pun on sun at the end, Thanks. which uh, I'm assuming you realize was there. Um, to be the center of the giving eyes. Um, great phrase there, couch unwrapping offerings. Um, a lot of stuff with children and parents tonight. I don't know if it's, it's a special kind of Valentine's Day where I guess uh, children are involved. <laughs> um, all that love making is producing something, <laughs> which is great because uh, it's definitely up my alley right now. Um, thanks, Seth. Our next poet of the evening, uh, Vale Larkin. How are you doing, Vale? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for asking. Okay. Ecstatic rituals. There has always been a rhythm to the life and flow of us, of our arms out, our legs kicking. There has always been the beat. There has always been the rhythm of the earth breathing, of the trees breathing, of the light and the mystery breathing and the life. We step so carefully now, like too much weight will break the soil and send us diving core bound, crushed. A firm foundation gives the illusion of permanence, folly in our shifting existence. How our bodies call us to wringing away our hard, even lines into bends, twists, and shapes out of daydreams all moving at once. There's a sound to the rhythm of the beat of the beyond, and beyond is all of us. We're all breaking the boundaries of the uh, upset by our fear. We're unleashing, and this is the way of the dance. Music is the way we soak into deep pools of shadow, the way we sparkle in the spot, staggering scintillation, and the way we break bodies into beats, notes, and soul. We are everywhere the music flows. We show ways to the waves, to the world out beyond where we give up our chains for unmaking, bring in the night soaked in rich darkness and lights in the air. Like night made concrete, like light that takes up space. The air so charged it glows in the soft warm cacophony of the sound around us made matter, made mortal, rising from the dark light revelation and carrying our hearts up so even the peak of the grief of each fade into change makes us weep, makes us sing and dancing we spin. Here we hold out our arms to the whole world, encompassing darkness, staggering light, and the mind to the body, to air, to the earth, and around the globe spinning like a dancer as she kicks her hips to the beat of the bang. And the stars that sing and are spinning, it's all one single motion in those moments. In time, you're in concert, you're inside, and there is nothing else. Inside all of us, there is nothing that doesn't belong. Wow, thank you, Vail. Thank you. Amazing, uh, amazing, amazing energy and rhythm. I think ecstasy was in it title was it not or ecstatic rituals yeah and it seems like exactly that so um fantastic work i love the ending again so many great endings tonight um there's nothing that doesn't belong um okay 
Our next poet of the night is uh, someone we heard from uh, in that workshop as well, Sarah Janoff. Is it Janoff? Is that Janoff. right? Okay. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> My best photographs are on display. Oh, sorry. It's swiping is an ocean and I need drama mean. <clears throat> My best photographs are on display for our city's most prominent bachelors and often bachelorettes but dating apps are terrible at navigating bisexuality. And I am not steering that ship much better myself. My bio reads, pigeon lover who swoons for cute cyclists. And I swipe through 70 pictures of smiling mouths with deadpan eyes and do not see a single bicycle. Where are all the bicycles? Am I here to meet a man or a woman or a bicycle? Before I decided to try swiping through smiling mouths with deadpan eyes, I was on Craigslist looking for bicycles. People, bicycles, all in all, I do not know what I am looking for. I'm swiping through pictures of smiling mouths with deadpan eyes, and I am thinking about you the whole time, my friend. When I swiped right on your ass in a thong and your hair long and you on a bicycle, I knew what I was looking for. I took screenshots and sent them to my friends the way we all do when we think we've found what we're looking for. And I looked at them after you were already mine and I looked at them after you no longer were. I got a new phone, so they disappeared, erased from the cloud, sunk at sea, but I know I'd be looking at them still. When I swiped right on you on a bicycle and your hair in a braid and your teeth all square and smiling, I knew I was looking for you. And now I don't know what I am looking for, except that I am looking for bicycles on both Craigslist and Tinder. And when I swipe left on all the pictures of smiling mouths with deadpan eyes because they are not bicycles, I am really swiping left because they are not you. Photos of naked chests with no heads make me nauseous. Dead fish mouths gaping on rods make me nauseous. The lack of bicycles makes me nauseous. Seriously, where are all the bicycles? This ship is rocking and I am nauseous and I need a drama mean. And oh, it happened, a bicycle, not just any bicycle, a Chinelli Tipo Pista, just like yours. And oh, below that bicycle, three letters, E and M, bringing forth my own letters, S-O-S. I want to abandon ship. I am lost in a sea of polyamory, looking for the one. Monogamous fish that I am, my bio reads, looking for that special someone. But maybe it should read, looking for that special someone with a bicycle, or just looking for that special bicycle. Am I writing my Tinder bio or a Craigslist ad? And none of these smiling mouths with deadpan eyes look like they're the one, the way you looked like you were the one. Even though you were not, are not, I hate that I cannot stop thinking about your ass in a thong. I am supposed to be your friend now. I am your friend now. This poem is an emetic. This poem is a drippy Ipecac syrup of all the thoughts I cannot keep so that I can be your friend now. 
I have been induced to remove you from my system, but I am so unwilling. I am nauseous, my friend, and I need my stomach pumped free of you. I swipe through 16 more smiling mouths with deadpan eyes. There are no more bicycles and I will abandon this ship now. I will go outside on my bicycle and pedal left foot, right foot, over, under. I will not think about long hair and square teeth and you on a bicycle. I will not think about Chinelli Tipo Pistas or love that feels deep and vast as the ocean. I will not think about your ass in a thong. Thank you. All right, thank you. That was uh, an epic <laughs> Valentine's poem. Loved every bit of that. <laughs> uh, so funny and uh, so good. Um, yeah, well, I I wish you luck on your quest <laughs> to find the bicycle profile of your dreams. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Our next poet tonight is uh, Jess Gaye. Thank you for pronouncing my name correctly always. Happy to do it. <laughs> um, okay, I still tried to write something new and, and didn't um, finish anything new. So I have this old one. Um, for context, although it probably makes sense, um, my mom died when I was in fifth grade of breast cancer. And um, one of my first years of teaching, I had a student in my class whose mom died of cancer. So that's what this is about. And it's called Gabriel. And it relates to the workshop today. So that's cool. Okay, Gabriel, what will you remember from today? Have you already forgotten what you ate for breakfast? Do you have a best friend who you played with at recess? I was already writing this poem when your father came to the gate, not knowing that I had been told. He said, his mother died early this morning and I wanted to say, me too. My mother dies over and over at some unspecified time every day and I go the whole day without knowing. I won't remember what I ate for breakfast whether it was hot cereal or nothing. Gabriel, I hope you don't spend your life waist deep waiting in the particulars. Let me do that work. I am already underwater. And if in 14 years you are desperate for details, I will have saved them here. If you are hungry, I will have them, except I forgot to ask you what you ate for breakfast. All right, thank you. Beautiful poem. Thank you. Uh, I love this poem. Um, uh, yeah, it's so fragile and, uh, well, fragile is maybe not the right word, but, uh, has a tenderness that I love and a gentleness. Okay. Thank you. Our next poet of the night, I think we're starting to get close to the end, is, uh, Will Kiever, who's been, uh, coming pretty regularly lately and uh, kicking kicking butt. That's, sorry, that's such a crass phrase to use, but uh, right, uh, reading some amazing poems. Let's just put it that way. Will Kiever. All right, thank you, Jason. This is uh, When They Aren't Circling Overhead. When they aren't circling overhead, I wonder where the ravens roost. I followed one into spring's open woods. Koi dogs yip 
in the peripherals, the last relevance of New York Wolves. Through it all, I will be I will be greeted by the ripe smell of rot. Underneath the shadows of an unstripped white birch lies the remains of a white-tailed doe. The eye sockets are picked clean, but gray hairs still unfurl around them like hollowed out chrysanthemums. The pink cartilage clings to the bone nestled inside the dew-slicked fronds. I will wait for the maggots and beetles to bring the rest of the old lady home. I will return and salvage her skull. All right. Whoa. <laughs> I was not expecting the poem to go that way. That is a little bit like Brian's poem. It takes this chilling turn. Uh, at the end there, wow. Pink cartilage clings to the bone, nestled inside the dew-slicked fronds. Great stuff. Um, okay. All right. Uh, our next poet is, uh, I believe, the last of my Quinnipiac interns, uh, last but certainly not the least, uh, Elisa Mejia, who, in fact, just workshopped this poem, I think, last week. Yeah. So it's yeah, fresh off the presses. <laughs> okay. Sightseeing. I watch sewage gas blow beside skyscrapers as it carries residue from shoes of unshowered dreamers coming home from their miserable nine to fives past the kebab stand on the corner of 42nd and 8th, gathering particles of sweat from Statue of Liberty cosplayers in Times Square on the way, before evaporating into a low-hung cloud of sticky mist, ruining the chic aesthetic of New York. I watch street rats scavenge for crumbs from bougie Wall Street stockbrokers throwing away once-bitten meals in front of homeless people, before scurrying past the crackheads on 7th Ave, yelling and screaming, into a parallel universe where they aren't crackheads wearing hardly any clothes, in front of Dwayne Reed holding up signs that say things like, Christ died for sin. I watch strangers rush down the stairs towards the train, passing arrays of authentic Banksies as they fumble through their pockets for change, to drop into the hat of the man in front of their station, playing the saxophone covering Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World, then all crowding into subway cars to head, to head someplace near or far, before they sleep, wake, and do it all again tomorrow. Amazingly. Okay, I see the change that you made. <laughs> I see you, good work. Uh, love this poem. And uh, makes, me miss, makes me miss New York City a little bit. <laughs> Not that much, because uh, uh, very happy to be up in Beacon and away from all the crowds. The noise now that things have gotten noisy and crowded again. Um, okay. Uh, thanks very much, Elisa. Uh, I'll see all of you in a workshop on Wednesday. <laughs> uh, those of you who are Quinnipiac students of mine. Uh, our next poet of the night, uh, Danielle Gasparo, uh, who I should also credit with always sending me a great selfie. Uh, Thank along you. With Madeline. Blush. <laughs> and also always reading great poem. Uh, how you doing, Danielle? Pretty good. I'm drinking tea. Mwah, mwah, mwah. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. I always okay. like to compare beverages, but yeah. feeling a little in slow motion tonight. So, okay. Thank you for the kind words. <clears throat> Calling. Wednesday, sometime o'clock. Squirrels are getting laid, and I'm not. 
And that's 100% pure, fresh-squeezed sun juice blasting the backside of those long-leaf pines, and squirrels are chasing squirrels and fucking as hard as I am not. To think, one journal entry back. Tuesday, high noon, frenzied ass plumes pulse before me, calls of purpose, mark my words, calls of come and get it, grading for the ladies. I've watched my share of Nova, keep for poem. And now, today, in cockcrow scrim, silent rodents bolt. Yes, Wednesday's cue is ricochet, cinematic blood hooray, sun-spoked quakes, jerks de soleil, no thought, move forward, soar, get laid. And what of me with my lists in the shade on a bench, a book opened as if to learn. I've had my share of sex. Things annoy me. I cannot not inquire. Oh, woe is me, is who is me, is why to tree or not to tree. Yes, to jet in silhouette, but how, to what and when? Oh, the sense of it all. 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 Ode. Didn't Keats have a squirrel poem? Come play with me. Why should you run through the shaking tree as though I'd a gun to strike you dead? When all I would do is to scratch your head and let you go, fuck, I'm late for class. <laughs> All right. I'm not I gave sure. it a shot. <laughs> I'm, not sh- I'm not sure I wanted that to end. <laughs> well, it didn't on the page, actually, but oh. <laughs> this is the first attempt at editing. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was great. This scroll poem at the end, that's a, that's a Yates poem. Oh, I shit. I met yeah. Yates. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I just know that because I, I love that's that badass. poem. Yes, I used you're to- right. I used to read that poem in, in college. I would I would amuse people by reading that poem to them. Amazing. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I always write on um, paper. You know, I write with by pen. I don't. I don't. I only take it to the computer at the very very end. So my writing was is shitty. Is so bad. So for whatever it's worth, it might have been a why. <laughs> it was yeah, probably a why when I originally drafted. May have just misread it. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a hilarious poem. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that, that opening is just the squirrels. <laughs> I mean, Fucking pretty as much hard the whole I poem. Not. Wow. <laughs> uh, poetry will never be the same again. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> trying to, you know, up the ante on uh, Valentine's Day here. It's like cover the gamut of love. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks. Well, uh, enjoy the tea. <laughs> Thank you. All right. I think our final poet of the evening is Kim D. Brandon. Uh, happy to have her back. Hasn't read for the open mic in a while, but uh, always is great whenever she does. Kim, how you doing? I'm real good. How's everybody? How you doing, Jason? Oh, well, lots of good stuff going on. All right. Happy to have you back. Well, thank you. I'm going to read from the screen, so we may have to scroll up when it's a lot of um, things. So thank you. You can help yourself. Just don't take too. My sister is in there cooking up some toxicity. 
She rolls it into everything that comes from her pot. Her collard greens, her black-eyed peas with smoked turkey, her buttermilk fried chicken, her peach and blueberry cobblers, and seven layer cakes. She fills your plate with heaping hot piles of goodness. My sister is in there cooking up some toxicity. Only if you take too much or too little or don't smile hard enough, yum loud enough, she starts, the cursing starts. She calls me heifer and names of shame from childhood. She says, Mama was right about you. My sister is in there cooking up some toxicity. When she aims and hits my wound that never heals, my cursing starts. I start swinging wildly. She calls the police. I'm escorted out of my own mother's house. Warned, slapped on the wrist, told not to come back home until I can learn how to cool off. My sister is in there cooking up some toxicity. Today, it smells like apple butter, honey, and biscuits, and maybe some bacon just got started. Licking my lips, I say, I will not partake. I will not be pulled in again and again. Not this time. Hell, I know how to fry up some bacon. I say, my sister is in there cooking up some toxicity. Maybe this time I can just have one of her biscuits. They smell like love, like mama used to make. And maybe this time her pots will feed my lonely broken places. Maybe this time. All right. It's great to have you back, Kim. Thank you. That was, that was wonderful. Uh, a great refrain line and uh, a great, uh, yeah, just mouth watering. <laughs> so I'm about to uh, about to cook this uh, vegan Korean dinner with my wife, and uh, I love my wife, and I love I love vegan food, kind of, <laughs> but uh, I really prefer cell food. <laughs> And uh, I like the Super Bowl because I know I'm just I'm gonna I'm just gonna order a a bucket of fried chicken and <laughs> and just do me you know <laughs> which is exactly what I did yesterday and uh, you know I'm not ashamed to admit that I'm just gonna <laughs> just gonna put the fried chicken in front of me and only eat that for three hours uh, so I had a good night last night and uh, yeah <laughs> but uh, thank you Kim. All right, that is the end of the open mic evening. It's been a great night of poetry, truly. Uh, it's just like we were just, we started up here and we just stayed at that level pretty much, like uh, or went higher. I mean, it was really remarkable from uh, about seven forty-five p.m. on, or whenever people started sharing their poems in the workshop. So I'm going to go back through the poems and read the poets' names again, so uh, you can vote for poem of the month again. The number to vote, uh, just text me the post name, 718-374-1953. Uh, please just vote once. Uh, just tell me the post name and that will constitute your vote. Uh, and if you read tonight, you can absolutely vote for yourself if you'd like to do that. Um, don't be shy about it. 
it's always cute to get those text messages though someone's like this month i'm voting for myself <laughs> i'm like i'm like yes you do you just like me and my fried chicken absolutely why not your poem was great okay so that uh last poem was by kim d brandon uh before that was danielle gasparo with the lovely squirrel poem before that was elisa mejia before elisa was will kiever uh before will we heard from jess gagne with gabriel before jess we heard from sarah janoff a hilarious poem uh before sarah we heard from vale larkin ecstatic rituals before vale seth leeper muggin before seth shanice hughes greenberg earth covered hands before shanice we heard from emily DeSalvo, phonetic for emily rebecca hertz brought down to earth or down to the earth sorry before rebecca harvey sauce with newton's folly poem about scaffolding I believe the only one I've ever heard about scaffolding. For that, Brian Ataka Amandi, Longing. Before Brian, Yana Kane, instead of a love poem. Before Yana, we heard from Madeline Phillips, Fortune Teller Fish. Before Madeline, Maya Huggins with a blank poem. Before that, Cassidy Gabriel with this beautiful poem, Requiem. Before Cassidy, Bridget Duffy, poem for my cat in words he does not know. And before Bridget Duffy, Arthur Russell, the beautiful love poem. And I believe now we are all the way back at the beginning with Stella Lee and her incredible poem about the ferret in the heart uh, called Heart. Um, so that is the open mic lineup. Uh, before that was Emily Cerniker, but uh, unfortunately you can't vote for Emily. You can vote for Emily in your heart, but uh, she's the feature reader, not part of the open mic lineup. But uh, you can vote for everyone else. Again, 718-374-1953. Uh, she texted me the post name. The votes are already rolling in. Uh, usually uh, we notify the winner uh, Thursday, usually <laughs> Thursday or Friday and uh, announce it on social media after that. So again, if you've got selfies, I would love for you to tag us on Instagram or send me those selfies. So. Uh, in fact, the more selfies I get, I don't even have to look through the screenshots, which is, uh, I tell you, a really boring and uh, tedious activity and uh, not one of my favorite things to do for Broken Poets. So uh, you can uh, help me out and publicize your face by tagging us Instagram with your beautiful selfie. And uh, that way uh, you can ensure that we won't use some blurry photo of you and put it in our events gallery. Um, I try to be conscious. I don't want to put any blurry photos of people. I don't want to make you look bad, but uh, the only way you can absolutely ensure that is by sending us a selfie. Uh, our next yop again will be led by Deborah Kwan, a great poet, friend of mine. She's teaching a workshop uh, on addiction and uh, poetry later this uh, season, this workshop season. So that again is on March 14th, the second Monday of the month, as usual. Uh, you can sign up for that right now. In fact, I, I've seen a bunch of people have already signed up. If you're interested in reading for the open mic and you haven't done so before, I encourage you to sign up as early as possible, like right now, because the open mic lineup usually fills within uh, within 24 hours, if not sooner. So um, I would jump on that right now if you can. Uh, again, a couple uh, of events coming up. The uh, Broken Poets Reading Series next Thursday, February 24th. Featuring Jennifer Wong, Daryl Alejandro Holnes, and Ed Bach Lee. That 
There's a free event starting at 7 p.m. Again, it's virtual. And then the following Thursday, March 3rd, the Staff Picks event. Uh, Joe, are you still there? You can tell us the readers because you probably I am, know all yes. of the names and I do not. Oh, by heart? <laughs> yeah, just give me uh, 30 seconds to... <laughs> yeah, by heart. Um, so I know... <laughs> I'm going to open my Brooklyn Poets email. I was relying on you. <laughs> Come on. It's like six incredible people. And I know that Sabrina San Miguel will be there. I know that Tawanda Malalu will be there. I know that. Angela Lockhart Aronoff. And yes. I have it Angela in front Lockhart of me Aronoff will also be there. I know. Where are all these staff? Katie Berta. Julian Guy. Okay. So Jason... Daniela Tutsi-Watson, also. I'll share my screen so everyone can see. Okay, why don't you just share your screen? You see all these screenshots on my desktop? <laughs> I don't want to look at those. These so are I'm drinking champagne at high elevation right now. Oh, okay. good. Good for you. <laughs> uh, this, is what, this is what our staff does. It's well played. Okay, but... <laughs> 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 this is a staff fix lineup. And then to go back to the reading series lineup, this is the yes, reading series perfect. lineup. And again, you can register for both events right, right on these pages. <laughs> is that Javier? Yeah, that's it. Right. Tell Javier to take his amazing blurbs and go to another room and drink that champagne. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm the yeah. only writer in this family. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, Joe. And then the last... <laughs> Last announcement. Oh, I stopped sharing, but uh, let me share one more time. And last announcement is the Craft Lab coming up with Jay Despande in a few weeks, prosody its decolonization on March 6th, uh, which will be a, a, a great three hours that you can spend on, on Sunday from 5 to 8 p.m. Okay, uh, it's been great being here with you all. As always, I uh, appreciate you and uh, always learn from you. And I adore these poems, so uh, keep them coming. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back here on March 14th for our next YAP with uh, Deborah Kwan. Until then, be safe, be well, and enjoy your Valentines the rest of the night. All right, take care. And there you have it. The Brooklyn Poets Yop Open Mic for February 14th, 2022. Thanks to new Brooklyn Poets professor Emily Cerniker for leading a fantastic workshop on poetic influence and reading a couple of amazing poems during the open mic. Emily is currently teaching uh, a workshop for us called Your Favorite Poet's Favorite Poet, which focuses on the subject of poetic influence, looking at different pairings of poets every week. Uh, it's a pretty cool class, it's developing an anthology that uh, looks at the same thing. So uh, we're excited to see that anthology come out to the world. Congrats to Cassidy Gabriel for winning Yacht Poem of the Month again. I think this is the second, or possibly even the third time, Cassidy has won. Uh, Cassidy won for her incredible poem, Requiem, no surprise to me, and has earned a spot in our 2022 Yaw Poem of the Year contest. A couple of things coming up, if you're listening to this on March 1st or 2nd, our next staff picks reading and our first of the new year is uh, coming your way on March 3rd, that's Thursday, starts at 7.30pm, that event is free, you can register for it on Zoom. 
March 6th, our next craft lab with Jay Despande on prosody and its decolonization. Uh, he debuted this craft lab last year. It's one of our most popular labs of the year. And uh, he's bringing it back with some updates. Uh, you can still register for that through 5 p.m. on Sunday. And if you need to request financial aid, you can do that through Friday, March 4th. Uh, AWP is coming up in Philadelphia. We will be there for that, uh, selling our swag and our books uh, in the convention center or wherever they're doing it. I can't remember where they're doing it. So if you're coming to AWP in Philadelphia, stop by our booth, say hello, get some discounts on swag and books. We'd love to see you. And yeah, that's all I got. We're plugging away at our new space, 144 Montague Street. Uh, the uh, space is looking good, primed for painting. And uh, we're trying to finish the designs, and uh, hopefully we will be open at the beginning of the summer, and that will be really exciting because uh, I think we're all itching to get back to in-person events, including the yacht. Uh, it's been great doing it on Zoom and meeting lots of poets from around the world, but uh, we would really love to have people back together again uh, and sharing the same space to listen to these poems. Okay, that is all. Thanks again for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Rate us five stars. Helps more listeners find these poets. And uh, we will see you on March 14th for our next Yop with Deborah Kwan. Take care.